Well, hello everyone. Rod Black with you once again. Another day, another Rodcast, another exploration into some fantastic conversation with some big name guests in sports and entertainment. And today we have a legend. Uh, he is a guy who uh, is really good at closing time. And I'm not talking about the bar, uh, although he probably is good at that too. But particularly closing time in games, particularly baseball games, particularly baseball games all oh, about three decades ago when he was making a name for himself around Major League Baseball and around the sports world. Today, our guest is none other than a Hall of Famer, a two-time World Series champion, all-around great dude, Dwayne Ward. Enjoy it, everybody. Let's roll the Rodcast. The Rodcast with Rod Black, brought to you by North Star Bets. That's a win. Now here's your host, Rod Black. Oh, the glory days. Oh, when men were men and starters were starters and closers were closers. And oh, the days of the Blue Jays winning back to back. And there he is. Hello, my man, Wardo. There he is, Dwayne Ward. Happy 30th anniversary, man, from hey. 1992. Hey, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'll tell you what. Thanks a lot uh, for having me on uh, on the broadcast. I mean, it's uh, something I've been looking forward to when I heard about it. I said, yep, I got to do it. So good to be here. Yeah, you and I go back a long way when I was covering your the team back in 92 and 93. Uh, yeah. We got so much to talk about, Dwayne. First of all, let's – and oh, by the way, congratulations, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> finally, finally. But, finally. You were elected yeah. in 2020, but you had to wait a couple yeah. of years, as we all did because of COVID. Absolutely. I tell you what, that was, uh, that was quite an honor. I, uh, you know, I had a, had a chance to have my family there, you know, uh, my mom, my three brothers. So, uh, you know, it was a special day and it was great to, great to see everybody there and catch up with old friends, but, uh, quite an honor. I couldn't, you know, couldn't, uh, couldn't have asked for anything more of how they, uh, how they did the whole thing and how they, uh, you know, had, you know, waited for it, you know, to, to get us in there, but it was nice to see all the guys, you know, Justin Marneau and, you know, Jeff Francis and even Pedro Martinez, you know, came in because he was, you know, having some health issues and stuff. And so he couldn't make his induction, but he did it, you know, video. And so uh, it was nice to see him there. And then, you know, just seeing all the guys again. What did that mean to you? First of all, take me back when you oh, got God. the original call. Oh, you know what? I was actually, we were at the, um, uh, Winterfest up in Toronto and uh you know Scott Crawford was you know put word out that he was looking for me and I was like going okay what's what's Scott you know what's he want now you know and <laughs> finally I caught up with him after uh you know you know quite a few minutes and stuff and he uh, he goes hey I just want to inform you before we release it but don't say anything until around February uh you're going to get inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame and at that moment, it was pretty much, you know, I kind of, kind of went numb a little bit, you know, started, you know, you know, it makes you start thinking about, uh, guy, okay, what am I going to say? You know, you start reflecting on your career, you start reflecting on, you know, the minor leagues, you start reflecting on the big leagues and, and it, it, you know, it was just something where it didn't sink in until I think it was in February when they announced it in 2020. 
that, uh, you know, they're, you know, here's the induction class of 2020, you know, myself, Justin Morneau, uh, John Olrood, and uh, Jacques Doucette. So, uh, you know, it didn't sink in until they announced it. And then, you know, the phone calls came, people congratulating and all that good stuff. But uh, it got real uh, this past, past summer when they uh, finally did the induction. That's when it got real, realizing I had to stand up there in front of a microphone and speak. So uh, yeah. it, it was uh, it's quite an honor. But it's, you know, yes, what it meant. It, you know, I think it's almost like validation for your career. You know, that your peers looked at you and said, you know what? Yes, you are worthy of this. And, uh, and uh, you know, it just it meant so much to me. It's, you know, you play the game of baseball because you love it. You, you go out and do the best you can for your teammates. You do the best you can for yourself. You know, all the individual awards and all the other accolades and stuff, you know, that comes from your, you know, from the hard work and people recognize it. But to get something like, you know, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, you know, bestowed upon you is, you know, that's beyond my wildest dreams. And I tell you what, I was so excited. Yeah. Did you get choked up a little bit too, having family oh there? My gosh. You know what? I, uh... You know, Wardo, <laughs> you are a fierce dude. And I mean, when you played, you played like nobody else. Yeah. But I also know you as being one of the nicest guys. And you are a softy. So you had to get choked <laughs> don't up. Tell, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> Everybody wanted to think that I was, you know, really, really tough on the outside and tough on the inside and everything else. But uh, no, you know, the, the hardest thing about the whole the whole speech and induction thing was, you know, I lost my dad about four years ago. Yeah. And uh, during the speech, you know, I just, I, I didn't want to go very long, but I just wanted to stay away from talking about losing my dad, you know, cause I know he would have loved to have been there. And, uh, you know, I kept going, kept going, you know, thanking everybody and this and that, whatever. And then, uh, you know, I said, okay, now I got to get to the tough part. You know, I got to talk about, you know, losing my dad and stuff. So that's when I got choked up a little bit and had to take a deep breath and, mm. and, um, but it was nice. You know, I got, you know, I know he's happy. I know he was up there in heaven, you know, just basically jumping up and down that his son, you know, is in the Canadian baseball hall of fame. Like most um, young boys, uh, they grow up uh, getting the game from their their dad or their mom or their siblings. Was that the same for you growing up in New Mexico? How how big was your dad? Uh, you know, with the ball, with the with the bat, with the glove. I mean, oh. I mean, it's kind of the way. I mean, I know it sounds cliche sometimes. It's like a movie, but I'm sure it was the same thing for you. No, uh, you know, my dad was a good athlete. My mom was a good athlete. So. Uh... You know, we, you know, they, you know, they push us to the extracurricular activities, you know, away from, you know, get out and play, get out and, you know, do something. And, uh, you know, but I remember my dad, uh, you know, he, you know, when he had time and stuff, you know, he'd, he'd go squat for me and catch. And I used to, I used to beat him up because <laughs> I wasn't the, I didn't have the, the best control growing up. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, he would get out there, but I also had three brothers that, you know, we all, you know, four boys in the family, you know, you're going to play sports. And so, you know, you learn from your older brother and then my two younger brothers learned from us. And so, you know, it was, it was a sports family. We, we played all the, the three majors, baseball, basketball, football, and, and uh, you know, just looked at it as a way to, uh, to get a scholarship. That's what we were looking at playing the game for, you know, is, you know, Hey, if we can, if we can get a full ride scholarship to go to college, then, uh, you know, mom and dad don't have to pay for that. And you're, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because, you know, you got the two boys and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, now one of them's actually over in Arizona Fall League playing. So, you know, he's done good for himself. He but, had a good uh, teacher. He, he, had, he, had some, he had some good instruction when he was growing up. Dwayne Ward was, yeah. was right there. Well, You've taught so many kids across Canada. You've given so much 
back to the game. There are so many kids that say, you know, Dwayne Ward helped me. My kids have for sure. Well, good. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about is, you know, we have an opportunity when I was coming through the system, you know, through the Meyer leagues and then the big leagues, you know, everybody always took, took time to try to show you the ropes, try to give you a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of advice, you know, a little bit better way to do something. And so, you know, I felt, you know, almost, it's almost 15 years ago now, you know, that, you know, we started up the, you know, the camps up in Canada and, and doing all kinds of stuff for kids, you know, kind of felt obligated to say, you know what, it's, this, this experience and this knowledge is not mine to keep. It's mine to pass on. You know, I, I had my, my day in the sun, I guess you can say, is of having a career playing baseball. But now, you know, it was time to, uh, to get all my, you know, teammates and stuff together and start teaching the younger kids. You know, just try to give them a little bit of an advantage that I didn't have when I was growing up in New Mexico and, you know, very rarely got a chance to even see a, you know, a big league game or much less even get taught by it big league or a former big leaguer so it was it was something I wanted to do was make sure I passed it along and and kept that going so I'm I'm so I'm thrilled that kids say that that they they've learned so much from what you know we had to offer yeah you've done so well with that and you know buddy I, I look back on, on Blue Jay history and I'm sure you do too and and you know there have been so many significant trades that have been made everybody points to the uh Joe Carter Robbie Alomar trade with San Diego yep. there's so many others I point to the trade for you, for Doyle Alexander, Straight who up. would have thought what would have happened and the progression that happened for this team, especially when Batman and Robin, you and Tom Henke became that dynamic duo. Take me through the whole, the, the whole semantics of that deal and then becoming the setup man, and then one of the most dominant closers. Hey, not just in Blue Jay history, in Major League Baseball history. I mean, what a time that was. Oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. I was actually, I was, you know, I, I think they were planning on making a trade for, you know, for, you know, uh, with Atlanta. Because you were drafted but, by uh, Atlanta. You I were brave. Uh, and, uh, you know, then they it sent me down because I was in the big leagues. They sent me down in about... Gosh, I think I only had like three starts in AAA when they sent me down. And I think they were doing it to clear a roster spot. But anyway, you know, we're playing uh, Norfolk, which is, you know, Richmond and Norfolk. You know, you bust back and forth. You know, you don't stay overnight there. I was left behind because I was starting the next day. So they said, hey, just stay home. You know, we'll, you know you'll come up with the team tomorrow, when, you know, when you're starting. Anyway, I got a call from Roy Matika, my manager. And he goes, hey, uh, Dwayne. I said, yeah, what's going on? You know, like, you know, what the heck's the manager doing calling me at home? But uh, he goes, hey, I got some good news and I got some bad news. He goes, uh, bad news is you're not starting tomorrow. And I'm going, what? What's going on? He goes, well, let me give you the good news now. Well, you were traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. And I said, oh, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, they want you in Syracuse, New York tomorrow. <laughs> and I said, really? He goes, hey, take this as a blessing. He goes, you know what? He said, you know, this might be something really good for you. So go in there with an open mind. You know, he gave me a lot of advice about So anyway, I packed up, went to Syracuse, you know, and about a month later, they called me up into Toronto and, you know, got to know the guys up in Toronto. And first time was uh, in 1986. I mean, shoot, what, 30, 37 years ago, 30, 36 years ago. But, uh, you know, the grass was greener on the other side for me. You know, just to give me a, an opportunity. And then, you know, as you were saying, you know, the the niche, you know, 
finding out what I'm going to do. Because when I was in the minor leagues, I was always a starter. But when I got to the big leagues, even with Atlanta, I was a reliever. And so I think Toronto said, hey, let's just keep him in that relieving role and not, you know, not, you know, put him back in a rotation or try Did to get him. Did that upset you at the time when that happened? Or, I mean, I mean, no, from a guy no. being a starter? No. No, not at all. You know, it, it, you know, I looked at it and said, hey, you know, it gives me more chances to pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if I can go out there and pitch on, you know, every other day, every third day, I mean, shoot, that's better than being a starter. So, you know, I got a chance to to really, you know, hone my game and and do it basically, you know, learning on the job, especially about, you know, the relieving aspects of it, of being able to minimize pitches, to try to throw, as, you know, try to throw as few pitches as possible and you get in the game and then the bullpen and everything else. Where starters, you know, it's more of a, a long game. It's let's build as we're going through the game and let's, you know, let's make adjustments throughout the game. Whereas a start as a reliever, you got, you know, you can't make any adjustments, especially if you're coming in with guys on base, you got to, you know, you got to have your game honed already ready to go. And so, so, but I had some good teachers. I had Bruce Suter. I had Gene Garber. I had, you know, Tom Hinkie. I had, uh, you know, Dennis Lamp. I had, you know, you know, all these relievers, you know, these great relievers, you know, kind of showing you the way of how to, you know, how to, how to hone your game. But it was exciting. I was I was excited about coming to Toronto. I knew nothing, nothing I uh, knew about Canada. Didn't know anything about the American League because I was really more invested in the National League. But uh, so it was good. And then, like you said, the whole thing was is that me and Tom became a, a duo, and I think we kind of revolutionized the way people are used out of the bullpen. I think you have that closer, but you have that pre-closer in front of it. And so I think that kind of changed the game a little bit. And now you're seeing it all the time now in the game of baseball today. Yeah. And it, it is so different today because, you know, the setup man, there might be a mid guy, but usually your starters kind of went six, seven, you like to get seven. Then, you know, you get maybe a, a pitcher in you. You don't have to worry about a minimum of three hitters. Uh, yep. They would go to you. Then they would go to Tom, the Terminator. And of course, during that, that stretch, you know, I look at that stretch, everybody talks 92 and 93, but, I think also, which was important, was 91, when I think you guys had a bitter taste in your mouth, and it helped propel you to 92. Well, you know, that was the hardest thing was, you know, the, the hardest thing for us to do was to get over that final hump. Mm. You know, we, you know, we could get into the postseason, you know, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91. You know, we're always in the hunt or getting Such into Such good teams, Dwayne. Such yes. good teams. Good teams, good offensive team, good pitching staffs. And, you know, we just, you know, we just couldn't find a way to get over that hump. And then finally in 92, you know, one swing of the bat, you know, we, we knew that, you know, Oakland A's were beatable and, you know, they're not, not just going to do this, that, whatever. Boom. Here we go. We found a way to get over the hump. And I, th- you know, I think everybody on the team that year, you know, we knew that once we got in there in 92, we were going to win. I mean, we just had the best team in baseball. So, I mean, that's, I think that's the hardest thing is figuring out a way how to get over that hump. And, you know, we saw the team this year. I mean, they get into postseason first time, you know, since uh, 2015, I think it was, you know, and, and they get in there and things just didn't click for them. But now they got an idea about, you know, how to, how to go about it and to get to that next step, to get to that next step and then finally get into a World Series. So, I you know, they're not far away. They're yeah. not far away. I was going to say, uh, do, you, do you find some similarities? Um, I look at a Jordan Romano, uh, you know, who's become that dominant closer now. And again, different baseball than it was. I, I don't think they maybe have the starting staff that you had back in 92, 93, but they got those pieces. They got some offense. 
Are there similarities between those championship years and this Blue Jay team moving forward? Uh, you, I, there are similarities. You know, the, you know, good core players, and that's I, I think you got to you know you got to have that core, and then you just got to start putting those pieces in from from the outside, whether it be you know via trade or bringing kid you know kids up from minor leagues or whatever, trying to find to fill those gaps. And I think the biggest thing, and I said this to uh, you know a couple of friends of mine before they got into postseason, I said, the bullpen's going to hurt them. The bullpen's going to hurt them. I think that's where they're the weakest. And, you know, you can have a Romano, but if you don't have somebody in front of him to get the ball to him, it's it's moot. I mean, he's not going to play a factor. And that was the whole idea about, you know, our bullpens back in the day was that everybody that went in there in front of Tom Hankey got the ball to Tom Hankey with the game still on the line or, or us, us still with the lead. So, that's where I think they got to fill some gaps. But I, I think uh, as, a, as far as a good core players, I think the, the Jays of today have got, uh, got a good core. I, I want to go back to 92 and that team, though, and and how it gelled. And you, you added a big piece in Dave Winfield. Remember, you know, Winfield wants noise and win it for <laughs> Winfield. And you had so many other pieces that were added. And that big swing by Robbie Alomar. You know, people talk about the Joe Carter home run. I'm sure you agree. In my mind, the biggest home run was the Alomar because if you don't have the Alomar, you might not get to the Ed Sprague, which I think was the next biggest home run. Thank you. Then you don't get to the Joe Carter, if you know what I mean. Exactly. Uh, the, the whole thing is, is that I think the one the one swing of the bat, or actually the, the two swings of the bat, Robbie Alomar and then Ed Sprague. Uh, I think, you know, and actually, you know, funny story is I think that's my home run. Because uh, Ed Sprague pinch hit for me. <laughs> that, that is, that's right. Yeah, that he is pinch, so right. He pinch hit for me. So in a roundabout way, it was my home run. So I, you know, I got, I got three wins in the World Series and World Series uh, play, and also got one home run. So uh, yeah, but I think those two swings of the bats, I think were were monumental for us because it could have been a situation where we don't get in. If, you know, Robbie doesn't hit the home run. You know, it gets us right over the hump. We go down games to Atlanta if Ed Sprague doesn't hit that home run off of Jeff Reardon. So, you know, a lot of things came came together for us. And I think that year was it was magical. You know, and, and you know, you mentioned Dave Winfield. Heck, we also added David Cohn. David Cohn. So, you know, you start looking at it, say, you know, and I remember when we got David Cohn, we were in uh, we were in Detroit and you know, talking to Cecil Fielder because he was, you know, the the big man over there, but he's also a former teammate. We're talking to him and you know, and they just announced that we had traded for David Cohn and he looked at her, but he goes, my gosh, how good are you guys going to get? Mm. <laughs> we said, well, Hey, you know, we're looking to win this whole thing. So he goes, well, i tell you what I said, you guys got one of the best pitchers in the game now. So. Yeah. You look at, uh, you look at Coney and what a character you had Boomer as well, who was in the bullpen at for a while there. I remember, so I remember hosting in 92. Yeah. Uh, I remember looking down, you guys were all warming up uh, before game six when we were in Atlanta. I'll never forget Boomer. I, 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 we have the World Series trophy just before the game. I, I'm hosting the event. And I look down and a ball hits the World Series. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and one of the flags, I think, broke off, actually. It was, there's Boomer. And I think you were down there with him. And they're throwing balls up at the World Series trophy. And then, of course, Coney, who's the biggest character of all. I remember yep. when Winfield... Uh, you guys were leading. They allowed us into the locker room. They put up all the tarp. There's Coney smoking a cigarette, smoking a butt in, in the locker room. <laughs> Beast is there. Cigarette and a beer. All, yeah, all <laughs> of a sudden, Atlanta comes back and ties. 
we get banished from the room. Then uh, Winfield hits it. We get pushed back into the room. There's Coney again with the butt. <laughs> but I will never, ever forget. See, those that are the things. moment, that celebration, the look on your face, the look on everybody's yeah. face. Uh, yes, there was great joy. I also think there was a great sense of relief. Oh, it was a, it was a huge, especially for a lot of the guys that have been there for a while. You know, the Jimmy Keys, the Dave yeah. Steves, you know, Tom Hankey, you know, coming over, you know, coming up in 85, you know, I, you know, I think it was a, a relief for some of those longtime Blue Jays. It was a relief for them to say, you know what? Oh my gosh, we finally did it, you know, but then, you know, like you said, the joy started coming on, but see, you're talking about things I didn't really get a chance to see, you know, about the rushing guys out, rushing guys back in, <laughs> yeah. rushing guys out. Well, you gotta, you know, you, you, there you were, you were out in the bullpen. I mean, I you yeah, know, like, exactly. yeah sitting there watching this stuff, you know, watching it live, you know, but, but uh, no, I, I think it, I think it was, I th you know, gosh, you know, you got to think, you know, John Sullivan, Cito, mm. um, you know, all the coaches and stuff that were there, you know, I mean, had to be a big relief. And even, you know, for Pat Gillick, Paul Beeston, it had mm. to be something where they're going, okay, we finally did it. And then we got fortunate enough, you know, and, you know, not to jump too far ahead, you know, had another opportunity the next year. So, I mean, it was. And your not, magical year. That was your great year. year, 45 saves, all-star, and little-known fact, I, I think a lot of, you know, the Blue Jay fan will know that you mentioned your three wins in World Series play includes yep. game six when Joe Carter was jumping around the bases. I mean, yeah, was, hit that was, home 93 right must have been a dream year for Dwayne Ward. Well, it, it was until about middle of August when uh, I hurt my shoulder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then, you know, ended up getting some cortisone shots and stuff and, you know, having to take, took about nine days, 10 days off and, you know, not, not pitching or anything like that and then coming back, but picking up right where I left off. But, uh, you know, that was the, the only downside of that year was when, when, you know, I hurt my shoulder and, and, uh, you know, ended up having all the problems I did after that. So, but outside of that, I mean, it, it was a dream year. It was the only, you know, the only thing you can, you know, say was would have been better was, uh, you know, to get the ALCS MVP, to get the MVP in the World Series. You know, I mean, you couldn't have made a, you know, it couldn't have been a better year for me. So, I mean, outside of the, uh, you know, those individual awards and stuff, I mean, it was, it was perfect. What was it like to play for Cito Gaston? And do you feel that Cito Gaston should be in baseball's Hall of Fame? Oh, gosh. The Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame thing. I'll address. I that mean, you first. look at managerial records. You look at World Series championships back to back. Yeah. First African American before Dave Roberts, of course. And gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta give consideration. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you gotta sit there and look at it, and you gotta look at it hard and say, you know, is this something, you know, that you know, is he warranted? You know, is it, you know, is he, is it warranted that he goes into the Hall? I mean, that's that's something I think people should really take a look at and and look at it hard. Uh, playing for him, all it was was it was it was easy. It was you know, Cito just said, "Hey, do your job. I'm not going to ask you to do anything more than than you're capable of. Just do your job. And if you can't do your job, let me know. I'll get somebody else in there until you're ready to go again." I mean, so he was, you know, he was so easy because he just stayed. He basically stayed out of my way. You know, the only time I saw him was when he gave me the ball when I came into a game. And he just looked at me and said, "Hey, you know what you're doing." I tell him to get the hell out of here and let me do my job. You know, so it was, you know, it was a short conversation. It was, it, you know, but uh, in between, in between all, you know, the game stuff. I mean, he just stayed out of your way, and he was, you know, he was your friend. He was, you know, he was 
always there to, you know, if he wanted to talk, he'd talk to you and stuff. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't like, you know, the manager closing the door and never, never hanging out with his, with his, his team. He was always out there. It's like all the other coaches were, they're always there talking and as much a part of the team as they could possibly be without being players. So it was easy. Cedo was a, uh, Cedo was fun to play for. Do you um, ever have dreams, uh, you know, looking back on that? I know it's, 30 years oh. ago, 20. I mean, but are there ever nights where you kind of wake up maybe in a night in a nice cold sweat and go, yeah, we <laughs> did that. Or as we all have had the dreams, those of us mere mortals who've never made it where we're, we get a chance and we never get onto the field. I'd like to know, like, you, are there ever any dreams where you're, you know, all of a sudden you get to the World Series and uh, something bad happens? Or you know what Things I mean? Like, but, but more, more not sideways. a dream, but a nightmare. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, way back when, you know, back in the day, you know, after, you know, after I got done playing and stuff, you know, I'd think a lot about it, you know, and I'd, you know, reminisce and, you know, as time has gone on, you know, it's kind of, you know, kind of looking back at it going, you know, not only did I play baseball, I'm a two-time World Series champion, you know, not a lot of players get to say that. So, you know, it, you know, it's, it's easier now than it was when I first retired because, you know, I wanted to still be playing. I wanted I still, you know, shoot, if I, if I was healthy and, and strong enough today, I'd still be out there trying to play. So um, it's easier now, but it was harder back when I first, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, when I, after, right after I retired, it was hard. And the only time I woke up in cold sweats is when I had, you know, had dreams about facing George Brett. <laughs> so, so that, that was, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I have no regrets. I think the game, treated me so well and I think I respected the game and I played the game the way it was supposed to be played and uh, I respected my teammates respected my opponents so you know I think I did it the right way you did you sweated the right way too man I worked with you okay. on the broadcast you man you sweat <laughs> like and I think it's a good sweat though I you know it's, I think it's your body going hey this is a good yeah. no seriously uh, man I think you sweat in showers of, a lot of excitement and everything else and <laughs> and uh other things so <laughs> but uh but uh you know it's just you know the, getting fired up you know just yeah. you know drinking a lot drinking a lot of coffee and uh and getting I mean, ready to that go was out. the thing right i mean again that's pre-red bull i i think yeah. you know you look at some of the players I, I mean how did you get fired i don't think you were as menacing you know the facially as a dave stewart perhaps like you know yeah, yeah that, just the, the evil stares the evil yeah, stare the, you didn't yeah. have that but you I watched it on game days, you know, even after, and there was a, I think there was, there were two different Dwayne Wards, the Dwayne Ward off the field and the Dwayne Ward, when he got that baseball coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's a good analogy. It was, you know, when the game's not going on, you know, you know, why be a, a you know, a bad guy? Why be, you know, an ass, you know, be a, be a teammate, talk to your teammates, have fun with your teammates. But when that when that game time came on, you know, and it started getting closer and closer to, you know, the fifth inning, the sixth inning, that's when uh, that's when you start turning on the juices and saying, OK. And I used to tell myself every time when I come running out of that bullpen, I used to tell myself, nobody's going to get a reputation off of me today. And I'd say that to myself every time I ran out of that bullpen, just to make sure that I'm getting to that fired up point to say, you know what, I'm going to go out here and give these guys hell. So that's that's how I approached it, and that's that's where it all that that switch came right as soon as I came running out of that bullpen. Yeah, you are you are also um, an amazing savant and student of the game. Oh, Who out there today love, love the game? <laughs> you love the, I, I know you. You just love the game of baseball. I mean, that's what the beauty of 
the, the game of baseball, but who out there today reminds you of you? Oh, gosh. Who reminds me of me? Guy, you know, I, you know, I wish I was around the game more. Like, you know, you're broadcast. You're doing all that stuff. You know, yeah, you're yeah. around the stuff. You know, so it's really hard for me to say who's who's like that. It is different now. I mean, well, it is. I don't think yeah. a lot of these. I don't think a lot of these players look back on it how I look back on it. I look back on it. I wanted to know who played before me. I wanted to know what people did before me. You know, I, you know, there's a lot of times I'd have the baseball encyclopedia on the airplane with me, just looking back at other people's stats and stuff. You know, and now they have you know, iPads. Now they have, you know, like <laughs> yeah, they well, got everything. They got yeah, all well, the algorithms. If we, yeah, if we'd, have, if, I, if we'd have had the iPad and everything else back when I was, I'd have had that instead of carrying that big old dang, you know encyclopedia around with me but uh no it was just you know to me it was it was always wanting to know you know who played before me how you know how did they do it before me and, and it just became something where I wanted to know the history of the game and get to know it more and more and more and you know I'm hoping that there's kids out there today that are looking at it that way saying you know because I think it gives you a, a, a such a respect for the game of baseball you know, to sit there and look at it that, you know, there's, I don't know, how many is there, about twelve to 14,000 people since 1869 to date have put on a big league uniform. Wow. I mean, that's, I mean, that's such a, you know, such a, you know, elite group of people that actually get to put on that uniform, you know, to say, I was, you know, I'm in the big league, you know, and that's, I mean, imagine how many players have played the game of baseball that never got a chance to put on a big league uniform. I mean, that's, it's amazing. So that's, I think that's where I get that respect for saying, you know, I was one of the elite few and then to win world series makes you even more of an elite, you know, uh, category. So to me, I hope these, I hope, like I said, I hope these kids today are actually looking at it that way. And I, you know, I think a Mike Trout, you know, somebody I think respects the game. I, you know, I don't think any of them disrespect the game. I just think some guys have a little bit more love for it than others, but you know, gosh, I mean, look how good these athletes are today. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, you know, they're incredible ball players. I'd love to face a few of them. <laughs> I will tell you that none of these kids today would like to face Dwayne Ward, at least the Dwayne Ward oh. we watched. For so well, many years. Would, do you like the game of baseball today and watching it and seeing what it's, I mean it's come it's it's made a, it's, a, a few it's changes it's hard because you know I, you know I, I like to pitch people in people today don't pitch in hardly at all I mean uh, you know, unless the ball gets away from them a little bit but you know it's it's almost like they're they're pitching to not get hit <laughs> instead of saying okay hey you know the first couple of first couple of pitches here, I want them to ground out or pop up. You know, I want to try to eliminate, you know, pitch count and stuff. Cause I mean, pitch count's so big in the game today, but you know, you see them, you see them, you know, pitching away, away, away. And, and if they do mess up, it comes back over the middle of the plate. And next thing you know, it's, you know, it's long ball city. I mean, it's just, I think that's how the game has changed. It's, it seems like everybody just wants to hit a home run and it's yeah. not, you know, the, you know, a guy gets, you know, hits a double or something like that, you know, next guy gives himself up to get him to third base. So, you know, so that, you know, they got two chances to get this guy in. It's like the minute the guy hits a double, the next guy, you know, he wants to hit a home run. And so, and, and that's where I think pitchers get in trouble out there is that they, you know, they, they're, they're trying to avoid contact instead of pitching to contact. I mean, they had a great pitcher in Toronto, you know, uh, Burley, 
I mean, this guy would go out there and pitch a nine inning ball game, throwing 90 pitches and, you know, and have, you know, 22 ground balls. I mean, it's just in an, in an hour, dude, 18. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In an hour, you know, an hour, yeah. yeah. Hour, an hour and 20 minutes. And so, I mean, I think that's how the game has evolved a little bit more where I think when these pitchers today, they get in a little bit of trouble because they get, you know, they, you know, the ball gets up in the zone a little bit. And, and these guys, you know, these hitters, are, you know, good hitters. You know, I mean, you're not going to miss that fastball that's right down the middle of the plate. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So I, I think, you know, if they would start adjusting a little bit of, about how they, you know, pitch to hitters, you know, they'll, you know, pitch somebody inside, let them know that you're thinking of them out there on the mound. And that way, you know, it might open up that away pitch to you and stuff. So, but no, I would, I would love to, you know, have a crack at some of these hitters and see what I can do with them. <laughs> you know, watching the World Series this year, and I, and I think the playoffs have been amazing, some great stories. But, you know, watching last night, for instance, you know, it's a, it's yep. a one-run ball game, uh, nobody out, runner at first base. Buddy, in your era, there is only one play. It's either a steal yep. or a bunt. Get bunt. the guy over <laughs> in a one-run ball game, whether you're yep. leading or you're trailing late in the game. That doesn't yep. – I, I watch it, and, I yeah, I'm, I'm showing my age, <laughs> but – it just seems logical to go back to the way it used to be, but now it's like this bloop, bloop and blast thing. I, and yeah. I'm not sure, you know, well, I know I'm the home run sexy, but there yeah. still is some old school fundamental to, to There's gotta be baseball. There's got to be, especially, especially in the world series play, you got to try to find a way to score runs instead of it just being long ball. I mean, what, you know, what happens if you don't, you know, if you don't hit a long ball, well, you get a combined no hitter thrown against you. You know, so, I mean, every game, you know, I mean, you sit there and look at these games, you know, in the past past few days, I mean, it's like, you know, home run has played the difference in, in every one of the games. I mean, last night's game, like I said, and you said it, you get a guy on first base, you got to find a way to get him a second or third somehow, some way, so you can get him across home plate, you know, and it, whether you're up by one or you're down by one, you got to manufacture that to give yourself a chance to win a ball game. And that, that to me is, I think, kind of left the game where now it's just, you know, hey, if you don't hit the long ball, okay, hey, we'll get them tomorrow. And that's that's not the way the game's played. Yeah, I'm going to be that old Muppet guy again, too. I mean, <laughs> back in the day, I mean, you didn't see – Robbie, when in 92, had the, this, and that was kind of the most you would ever see. You wouldn't see <laughs> the, you know, the, the thing that goes it. on, the bat flipping – which some people think has added excitement to the game. Um, it's certainly something that's it's, that's down in Central America. A lot of the Latino players, that's the way they play with so much vibrancy and electricity. It's fun. Jo yep. <laughs> and I love Josh Naylor, by the way. Great Canadian guy. The Rockabye <laughs> baby, yeah. maybe a little much. I wonder what you feel about it. And I wonder if somebody had done that to no. you. First of all, they didn't hit any, any bombs. <laughs> what would have happened the next time? Dwayne Ward, you're, to that. you're going, you're going to, you know, you're going to get hit. You're going to get, you know, you're going to have something thrown at you. I mean, it's just, you don't, you, you don't want to, you know, I know it's just the, in the excitement of the moment, but sometimes I think it's getting to a point where they're trying to just show that excitement in the moment, just because everybody else is doing it. Um, Ricky Henderson used to, you know, have his little strut around, around the bases, but everybody looked at it and said, that's Ricky. And nobody really, you know, went after him because that's just, you know, how Ricky was, but, you know, now, you know, you see these guys just literally, I'm, you know, yeah, they hit a home run off you and they stand there and look at it and they throw their bat 40 feet in the air. It's like, you know, well, next time I see it, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you, <laughs> you know, don't, you know, don't show up the opponents 
or don't try to, you know, don't try to embarrass them. I mean, you did your job. It's almost like somebody who's seven foot five dunking a basketball. How hard is it hit for him to dunk a basketball? <laughs> you know, it's like you can stand there flat footed and almost dunk it. You know, don't act like it's the first time you've ever dunked a basketball in your life. But that's the excitement I think that people nowadays see in it. And they, you know, everybody wants to post it on TikTok. Everybody wants to post it on their on their Twitter feed and everything else. So, I mean, it's just that's how the game, I think, has evolved a little bit more to where it's it's not really showing each other up. Back in the day, it would have been showing you up. You did not live uh, in social media in that era as well. Um no, no. Uh, Probably pro maybe a good thing that uh, there were no <laughs> mobile devices around. I'm, I'm not. I'm just yeah. thinking for not for you in particular because I know you spent a lot of nights at the library and perhaps a little, yeah. an occasional <laughs> church. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, I, I think social media has changed the game. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, sitting out there saying, you know, this is my brand, this is my brand, this is my brand. You know, guys wanting to wear certain things when they go on, on TV or whatever instead of wearing the team colors. I mean, that to me is not – that's not a team player. That's not, you know, that's not an organization, man. Hey, your job is to play baseball. It's not to see how many followers you can get on your account. And to me, I don't, I don't know if anybody realizes it now, but you're going to make more money playing the game of baseball than you are going to make off the field. So go out there and play the game the way it's supposed to be played. And I'll tell you what, people will follow you if you're good. So you ain't got to worry about how many followers you're going to have. That is great advice. Well, okay. Wardle, one thing I know about you, <laughs> you like to golf. So uh -oh. I'll play a quick 18. You cool with this? Okay, I'm good. Okay, so there it might be more than 18, might be the 19th hole. Uh, you can have short answers, long answers. You know, you're Dwayne Ward, so you can do whatever okay. you want. All okay. right? You okay. ready? Okay. Let's tee okay. off. Here we go. Why number 31? Uh, 13 backwards. And you liked 13. That was your number. You're clearly not uh, a Triscodicophobiac. No, I, I am uh, very superstitious, but, uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted number 24, but that was already taken when I, uh, when I got uh, to the big leagues, uh, who was a Ken Obergefell had it. So I ended up uh, going with 40, 42, I think it was, no, I had 48 mm -hmm. in Atlanta, 24 twice. And then when I got traded over, when I got traded over to the Blue Jays, uh, 31 uh 31 was not taken but 24 was so i said okay give me 31 and you made it famous okay here we go <laughs> favorite stadium of all time oh gosh you know what i love i love the uh the dome up there in toronto uh but favorite stadium of all time i, I you know fenway park awesome least favorite stadium anaheim <laughs> best fans Gosh, Toronto Blue Jay fans are the best. That's a good one. Yeah, that's good. Good. I'd suck up too, though. But <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they they are fabulous fans. Uh, worst yes. fans around. Uh, gosh, you know what? Philadelphia was hard. <laughs> Philadelphia was hard. <laughs> yeah, as, as the Houston Astros, they they've they yeah. been taking it. Uh, the um, your favorite uniform in Major League Baseball history. Oh gosh, you know what? I just I love, you know, love the, the the simplicity and everything else of the Yankees uniforms. Worst uniform ever. 
Oh gosh, the shorts that the Chicago White Sox used to wear. <laughs> um, you were known for uh, your your fastball. You were known for a guy who could also throw some hooks. What if you had a pitch now, looking back at it, that you wish you kind of would have had? What would the pitch been? Uh, split finger fastball. Oh, nice. I yes. uh, I knew how, I knew how to throw it because Bruce Suter taught me how to throw it. Yeah, but I couldn't control it. Oh. You know, it, you know, just it was just a little something I just couldn't control. I wish I would have had it. Yeah, you would have had 80 saves in one season. <laughs> best li- your best little league moment. Best little league moment. First time I hit a home run. Oh yeah. Where was it? Uh, right. Left. I was in my, my you know my hometown, Farmington, New Mexico. I was uh, it was left field. Uh, you know I think I was nine years old when I finally when I hit one over the fence. You never forget that, do you? No, never. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Um, your most embarrassing moment and that doesn't have to be related to a play or whatever but something that happened on the field or off the field gosh most embarrassing you probably God, that's a any. that's a hard no that's a hard you know what uh, you know an embarrassing moment was a uh, a guy hit a chopper off the plate in uh, toronto and you know went right up and it was right in the sun and i you know and i tried to block you know, tried to block the sun with my glove. And I thought I had the ball. I was basically just trying to guess where the ball was coming from. And the ball hit me right on the forehead. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously as a base hit, but uh, the most embarrassing part about it was, was after the game, <laughs> there's about six or eight guys in the clubhouse that were sitting there, sitting there and they, they, they put like, you know, some blood on their foreheads. <laughs> so they just said, you know, kind of made fun of me, you know, not, not catching the ball when it was right up, right in the sun, but it hit me right on the forehead. You know, Tom Hankey was there doing it. Jimmy Key, you know, all those guys were sitting there, you know, acting like it was me out there with a, a bloody bandaid on my forehead. <laughs> it didn't seem so bad after uh, what happened to Jose Canseco. So that's, that's no, there you no go. it didn't get, didn't go over the fence for a home run. It, yeah, it was a base. Uh, best prank you ever played? Oh gosh! You know what? I didn't. You know, I didn't prank a lot of guys. It was, uh, you know, you would, you would just basically try to, you know, just having fun and stuff, you know. But it wasn't a prank. One of the one of the best ones I one of the best ones I saw was uh, Jimmy Key did one on on Ernie Witt. Um, I don't know if you remember, they had those those brushes that had those little rubber tips on the uh, on the steel ends of the brushes, and uh, you know Jimmy Key went in there during the game because Ernie was catching. But you know this is I mean it's a classic prank. He cut off their little rubber tips on all the little metal bristles, and Ernie came in after the game, you know, and he had this little tiny mirror, you know, in front of his locker, and he come in there, grabbed that brush off, didn't even look at it, and he scraped it right over his forehead. I'll tell you what, he instantly started drawing blood on his forehead. And uh, I shouldn't laugh, he, but it, it, oh, it, no, it, it was absolutely classic because everybody was sitting there waiting for it and watching. And I'll tell you what, I mean, he had blood coming immediately and, and he thought it was Cecil Fielder, but it was Jimmy Key. So that, that was one of the best pranks I'd seen that, you know, somebody else got blamed for it, not the guy that actually did it. Yeah, that 92 team had a lot of pranks. I remember some of the hot foots that were going, the yeah. hot feet that were going yeah, guys crawling underneath the. You know, I think Boomer bed. was Boomer was probably one of the biggest culprits for that. You know, getting the, getting the syringes, squirting alcohol on their shoes. And stuff. I mean, guys, were, it got very creative. Uh, you need some help. Um, you got a flat tire. Uh, you need gas. Uh, maybe you're having one of those days. You just need to talk to somebody. Who does Dwayne Ward call? Oh gosh, 
well, right now I call call the wife, you know, but uh, uh, back when I was playing and stuff, you know, she call any one of my teammates. I think any one of them would have uh, dropped what they were doing to uh, to help out. Yeah, funniest teammate you ever played with? Oh gosh, funniest. You know, Renee Gonzalez was pretty dang funny. Uh, David Cohn was a guy that, you know, you never knew what to expect from him. So, you know, it could be really gross or it could be really funny. Um, you know, it's just guys, you know, guys, they just, you know, guys had good times back then, you know, where, you know, was a lot of stuff didn't happen on the field, but a lot of stuff happened in the clubhouse, off the field and stuff, you know, so, but, you know, those two guys come to mind real quick here about, cause they were always trying to prank somebody. Yeah. Best teammate you ever had. You had a lot oh, of great ones. Yeah. A lot of great ones. You know, I mean, the list that, that list is long and distinguished, uh, you know, love Jimmy key, Mike Flanagan, Tom Hinky. Uh, you know, guys that I spent a lot of time with, you know, Timlin, uh, you know, Pat Henkin, you know, just guys that, you know, we always sat there and just talked baseball and talked, you know, talked about how we can get better. Danny Cox was another guy that was a great teammate. Mark pitchers I, Mark. hanging with pitchers, man. They, yeah. they got their own Mark. little club, don't they? They, yeah. Well, you know, you do because you're just separated away, away yeah. from the everyday player. And so, you know, you, you're out there shagging for the guys that can't hit. I'm just kidding. They could hit, <laughs> but uh, you're out there shagging, but you're always, you know, you're just, you're out there with other pitchers. You're not out there with the, you know, the everyday players. So, you know, you get, you build a bond with them. I know you're in Vegas and I know what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. On the broadcast. Well, actually everything's on the broadcast, but so I guess this is a, a formal answer. Um, if you were pitching today, who would be the player that you would like to give a little, um, Chin music too. Oh gosh, um, everybody. <laughs> Bryce Harper. <laughs> oh really? I don't know. You know. I don't know. I just you know, you know, Aaron Judge. You know, I guess you go after the big name players just yeah. to get that respect from uh, from everybody else on the team. How about in your day, you looking back, who is the guy that you would have kind of liked to have beaned? Just kind of liked to. Have? Like I said, like I said, I think I'd, I'd like to have hit them all, you know, at least that way you get some respect, but uh, <laughs> gosh, I don't know. You know, you know, uh, I don't know. R Ricky Henderson would be one guy I'd like to hit, but you know, just, just because the, you know, the guy, you know, he's just not but a menace on the bases. And if you yeah. hit him, he goes to first base and yeah. now he's going to steal, steal third. He, he did you help know. you win it. He did help you win a ring though, Wardo. Yes, mean, he did. Well, people could talk about Joe Carter's home run, but Dennis Ricky Eckert, Henderson that, that, isn't on base. would be. What was that? Dennis Eckersley would be somebody I'd oh, like to hit. <laughs> <laughs> but but back to Joe's home run, a lot of people re didn't realize that Mitch Williams had never pitched from a slide step before. And because of Ricky Henderson on base, he was worried about Henderson. Absolutely, yes. Panicking about it because he could steal off the of lefties or righties. It didn't matter. He just caused havoc. That's why he'd probably be one of the guys you would just like to hit. But you just you put him on third base if you hit him. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Ward. Who was the most famous person you ever met? Gosh, the man known all around the world, Muhammad Ali. What was that like? Oh, gosh, it was in the Toronto airport. Uh, I was actually on my way flying home, and, you know, I got to the airport early, and I was sitting there waiting for, uh, 
you know, the little gate to open up so we can go through there. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, here comes uh, this man and his wife and uh, one other person. It wasn't like an entourage. One other person coming and sat down. And I looked over at him and I said, oh, my gosh. I said, that's Muhammad Ali. <laughs> and so I went all over, the, you know, looking for something so I could uh, so I could get his autograph, you know. And uh, what I did was I walked over to him and just said, you know, hey, Mr. Ali. I said, you know, is it OK if I, uh, you know get your autograph. And he pulled out a, a little pamphlet of uh, religion of Islam and he signed on there to Dwayne and he put the date on there. I think it was like 1980, 87 or 88. But uh, yeah, but it was almost like, you know, shook his hand and just, you know, what do you say to the, you know, to the guy who's the greatest, you know, he said, look at him go, you're still the greatest. <laughs> wow. So Muhammad Ali, a man known around the world. And who was you know, your hero growing up? Oh, my hero was Nolan Ryan. I mean, got a chance, you know, got a chance to meet him and talk to him. And so, I mean, got to, you know, baseball gave me an opportunity to meet a lot of, lot of good people. Go-to song on your playlist. Oh, gosh. Maybe it would gosh, be your walk-up uh, song today or your walk-in uh, song. You know, uh, you know. You know, Metallica's always got some good stuff out there. You know, I used to love Van Halen. I used to, you know, just, don't, you know, something that's just going to be, you know, hard and hard and loud. <laughs> yeah, kind of the way you played. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hard exactly. and loud. Uh, best baseball movie ever. Oh, gosh. You know, you know, you got to, you know, you got to say, uh, you know, filled with dreams, but also I also love the natural with uh, Robert Redford too. And, and then, you know, if you go back, you got to look at the the one with Gary Cooper when he played uh, Lou Gehrig. You know, the Lou Gehrig story. Pride of the Yankees. Pride of the Yan yeah. Yankees. Yeah, you know, know I mean? something. Ba baseball. There, there are so many great baseball. I could watch baseball movies all day. Yes, absolutely. You know, and obviously, you know, you got uh, you know Major League, which is you know the comical side of baseball, yeah, which yeah. is which always come. But like those ones. Yeah. Uh, dinner with four people, uh, living or not. What oh, would you gosh. like to have at your table? And what would you serve? <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. What do I serve? Well, you know, well, I mean, you know, one person I think would have been great to have met would have been Elvis Presley, would have been mm. a good one. Really good. One. John Lennon. John Lennon would have been another one. Look at you with the musical stuff, huh? Look at you. Uh, who else would be a, you know someone great to meet and sit down at a table with them? Uh, guy, you asked me for four people. I mean, you need... could be it could be any. I mean, you got yeah. Elvis and John Lennon; those are two pretty good ones. You know, just people that you know you know would like to just yeah. sit down and and just you know finger food, so that way you can sit there and just you know chew the fat, you know, and throw some uh, throw some uh, Labatt's Blues at them. Say so here, <laughs> drink these with your wings and uh, fries and stuff. You know, so. Cheeseburger for Elvis. Exactly, cheeseburger. I can always eat a cheeseburger. Yeah, too. I know um, Pete Rose, Hall of Fame or not? For what he did on the field, yes. For what he did off the field, no. Uh, you know, I'm still out on that one. I mean, greatest hit, one of the greatest hitters of all time. You know, you got to give him his his kudos for what he did on the field, and you know, but. You know, when you walk into that clubhouse, there's a big sign that says rule number 21. No, no baseball. Yeah. But uh, my he was my first major league walk. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pete, isn't that something, Pete, huh? Pete Rose was my first major league walk. <laughs> wow. Wow. When, when, here you are, you're a young guy, I'm sure. 
Pete Rose, yeah. greatest hitter of all time. I mean, I does that, did that ever did that ever Richard. enter your brain when you were like against some of these legends? Like, oh, no, he, he, you know, you sit there. Well, you sit there and you look at it. You know, when I was facing, going, you know, yeah, here's the all time hit king. I guess you know, I'm going to get him out real easy, aren't I? You know, so <laughs> you got to sit there. You walked him. him. Yeah, yeah, I walked him on four straight pitches and uh, talked to him the next day. And uh, you know, I thought two or three of the pitches were strikes and i looked at him and said you know where in the hell were those pitches at and he goes don't worry about it keep doing what you're doing you'll be all right <laughs> um barry bonds roger clemens a rod uh, the the part of the the accused steroid era hall of fame or not uh you know what i mean if you're gonna you know there's i think there's guys in there right now that have been you know, that have tested positive. So, I mean, I think at some point in time, you got to start looking at it and put asterisks by people's names saying, you know, it was performance enhanced or whatever. So um, maybe just have a wing, have a wing in the. Yeah. You know, you can say, yeah, exactly. Performance enhancing era. But, uh, you know, at the time, yeah. you know, at the time it wasn't illegal to do. And then all of a sudden it's illegal. And, you know, yeah. I would have just fessed up to it and said, Hey, you know, I won't do them anymore now that we can't do them. But, uh, yeah. you know, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for me. Um, if if you had to write a book or or if you had a title of a book or a movie about your life and you've got a chance to name it and maybe this you need a little time what would your okay. title be oh uh, where do i always come out of left field so out of left field oh, that is good that <laughs> is really good because you're out of left field sometimes yeah too. i like that yeah out of left field and you're also a straight shooter um two more if you okay. were commissioner, Dwayne Ward was commissioner for a day and you could make any kind of changes in the game, what would you do? Roll the rules back to about 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, just take the guy out of second base. That's not a problem. Busting up a double play, running over the catcher. It's part of the game. I wouldn't have, you know, pitch clocks on pitchers. Baseball's a game that's going to be played in its own due time. Uh, you know, I think I'd just I'd like to see it go back to where it's more of a purist of a, a baseball. You know, people go out there to sit down and have a beer and a hot dog and enjoy a baseball game. If it takes an hour, if it takes three and a half hours, that's that's the game of baseball. And finally, uh, you can finish this sentence. Uh oh, I, I Dwayne Ward, owe all my success to my parents. They, uh, you know, they give me every opportunity afforded me every opportunity, drove me to every baseball game, basketball game, football game, supported me in whatever endeavor I wanted to do. And so my parents would be the ones that I owe my success to. They, they taught me to never give up, strive to strive to be better. That was my mom and dad. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm going to get? Wardo, I'm going to get you to do answer that. Just you just froze a bit. Just froze a okay. bit. I'll get you to. Uh, I, Dwayne Ward, owe my success to my parents. Uh, you know they afforded me and 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 gave me every opportunity to succeed. Drove me to the ballparks, football fields, the basketball courts, everything. They, you know, they were the driving force behind my success. Allowed us to do whatever we wanted to do and supported us in it. So. My mom and dad definitely are the ones that were the driving force behind my success. I know they are always in your heart. I know you made them proud as you made yes. so many Canadians and so many baseball fans. Man, I miss you. 
I can't wait to see you. Well, hopefully, uh, we'll thank you for your time. Uh, oh, as always, I, I always love talking, talking baseball, talking life. Yeah. Uh, you are one of the most fascinating guys I know, fascinating <laughs> athletes. And what I love most about you is you're just a good guy. I love having a Great. beer with you. Well, thank you, Rod. I'll tell you what, we had a good time up in Moose Jaw the last <laughs> yes, time I saw you in person. So, you know, we had a couple of beers then too. So, hey, just thanks only a lot. Couple. Only a couple. Yeah. Exactly. You know, didn't go to bed then, you know, the, that night, but, uh, you know, it was, it was just a couple of cold pops, but, uh, hey. hey, thanks a lot for having me on your show, Rod. And, uh, you know, I know you're going to do great at this. And if you ever want me back on again, just give me a call. Every single day. Uh, keep those world series rings oh, yeah. close. Uh, and Hey, I love also calling you yep. a hall of famer. That's oh, great. <laughs> that I'll never get used to that, but I'll tell you what, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Wardo. Okay, Rod. Cheers, we'll brother. He's just one of those guys you could you could talk baseball and talk life for hours, uh, Dwayne Ward. And as much as I admire what he did on the field and on the diamond, he is a diamond away from the game, too. He has given so much of his time to charity, uh, Jay's Care Foundation, all of the academies. He helps kids every single day get better at the game teaching them the do's and the don'ts, um, some of the pitfalls. I, I know he also gives them some secrets about pitching. And one thing I love about him is his straight shooter, and he's very honest with kids and parents. And again, he's just one of those great guys that you love hanging around. We're so happy that Dwayne Ward was able to hang around with us. And guess what? Uh, in the spirit of Wardo, it's closing time. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Rodcast. The Rodcast with Rod Black, brought to you by North Star Bets. That's a win.